So how can you be angry? How can you be angry at a draft? What do you mean? You just said. How can you? You just said you're halfway through a draft that you were quite angry with. I want to know. How can you not be angry at a draft? That's like ninety-nine <laughs> percent of my drafting experience, Trent. So this dra- this particular one that I'm in right now, I think I screenshot and sent. Well, because I haven't been able to play being at work today, but. I finished up a draft that I should have done very well in and then I started the next one and, and I start drafting Quandrix and then it starts turning into this crazy red splash and then I see the very card in pack two that that lost me my my three O previously, which is that um the Lawhold <laughs> Vemoncellius or whatever his name is, the big dragon. And I'm like, wow, and he's in Boros and totally not suited to my whack thing that I'm trying to build here and I'm angry man he's, he's taunting me yeah okay what else is in the pack <laughs> I don't know you gotta take him right I had some red cards you have to, surely you have to take that guy right definitely not oh no if you're starting in blue green I got so much to learn if you're starting in blue green and then like you're still in blue green pivoting to red you can't really go blue, green, pivot to red, white. That's just not how <laughs> yeah, it works. Which which pack did you say it was in? It was it was pack two. But oh, this is what I mean. I, I was so I would take it. I would take it, I was I would so take it and it. I mean, it depends. It's contextual. It sounds like a bad idea. It depends on the pack. It it probably was a bad idea to be because it was like my <laughs> my I think my it was like a growth spiral and all this other stuff. You know, there was good, you know, Simic or, or Quandrix stuff in there. And, and then I see this guy and I'm like, back to haunt me, are you, brother? And, uh, yeah. Growth spiral's oh, pretty well. good. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, yeah, those Mystical Archives cards. Wow, so many good cards. Mm. Cool. Uh, let's start with Strix Draft then while we're on the topic. How many have you guys done? You go in many, uh, 34 or 30, I think 35 now. Dropped off a little in the last week, but how about you, Trent? I don't know <laughs> the old Homer. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your last name, Monty Burns? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is that because it's m- a- more or less uh, than, than you'd have thought? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say maybe a little few less, maybe a few less. But I play best okay. of three. I don't play best of one, so. I don't know oh, so changes. I've been playing best of one because I was trying. Yeah, I, I got to mythic. Right, I got to mythic Saturday. Maybe I think it was Saturday after 27 drafts all the way from bronze. Wow. Came in at number 500 and something. And I said to Carl, you know, I was like, I don't know whether I'm meant to play now because I actually care about trying to get top 1,200 ranked mm. to qualify for the... It's a PTQ, essentially. And I said, I don't know. And firstly, that's just such a terrible system, right? These Horrible. are monthly, so it ends on Friday. This is when the, the season ends. And the fact that I qualified seven days before, I had to stop and think about whether I should just stop playing is such a terrible system. If you're primarily playing limited, is that just a... Is there a, I mean, do you, do you make just a separate account that you play draft on and then sit it there at 500 and hope for the best? No, because, well, as in if I wanted to keep, just keep drafting. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah, exactly. maybe, 
I don't know, that feels that also feels terrible because I'm drafting partly to have a collection for constructed, right? For sure. Yeah. It seems like a funny workaround. Yeah. It also just I think that's even having to consider those makes it a terrible system in my mind. Display best. Anyway, effort. I dropped Well, yes, but that doesn't work as well on my way to work or like, you know that sort of thing. It's much harder to fit a best of three in. Oh yeah. My am I just while doing other things, right? It requires a lot more time commitment. I did consider that. I actually probably would have done that, but what I decided was that I probably need to be a little bit higher. I think I decayed a hundred or a little bit under a hundred in the first day because I left it for 24 hours. So I worked out that, like, at that rate of decay, I was going to end up in the 1100s. And you need to be top 1200. Sketchy. Sketchy. And there's always a rush at the end, right? There's always a rush people trying to qualify right at the end. So I said, no, okay, I need to. I need to do a little bit more. I probably O three'd my first draft. Oh. And then I think one three and then like three three and then O three again. Anyway, it's gone very poorly for me since getting into Mythic and I'm now down at ninety five percent. Oh no. I mean, not that I would know what that feels like having never cracked Mythic on <laughs> any format on Arena, but I can imagine that's pretty sad. It's a bit dispiriting. Um, it's especially dispiriting because so Mythic is based on MMR. We don't know mm-hmm. the exact formula they use, but it's based on MMR. So you get more rating points for beating people above you than you do for beating people below you. And I keep getting paired against people who are in diamond and platinum. Mm. So if I beat them, my rating barely changes. And if I lose to them, I just plummet down the ratings. Ouch. Like, I recently, my most recent draft, before the one I've just done, I went 5-3. So, I got to 5 wins. I actually got to 5-0 and then lost to three, like, reasonable decks with bombs in them. Whatever. But the problem was, all three people I lost to were in Platinum. So, by going 5-3, I actually ended up at the same percentage that I started at. Yeah. And it's very dispiriting. Sounds great. Hmm. Yeah, sad. Yes. So, and and Trent, you're are you finding reasonable success, or is it challenging you? Uh, the drafting's been challenging. Uh, I really enjoy the drafting aspect of this format um, because there's a <clears throat> so there's a few things towards it. It's it's um, obviously you're trying to build your forty card deck as you you know with your sixteen like you know, twelve to sixteen creatures, a couple of removal spells, draw spells, whatever, and then you've got your learn cards, so balancing where the learn cards that you want to play and the power level of the learn cards versus um, how they implicate the creature structure that you get because usually they uh, infringe on the numbers of creatures that you have in your deck because they infringe or they don't generally infringe on your removal spell count because your removal spell count is at a premium. A lot of the good draw spells are better than some of the, the learn cards because the draw spells in this format are either like draw twos, draw threes, or rare cards, um, and then and then balancing the lesson cards with the sorry the learn cards with the lesson cards. So when when you're picking up which lesson cards and how good they are in comparison to each guild you're in. Mm-hmm. So the drafting has been mm-hmm. awesome. I think every, it's a real challenge. Um, it's a real sorry, not a challenge. It's the the best the, the best way to define it is that it's a really nice balancing act between. Um, the staleness of a uh, 
guild set, so a five color set or five uh, five guild set, and then having these little implications just knocking at the door every time you open up a pack. It's been uh, yeah, it's been really good. I've thoroughly enjoyed it so far. Absolutely. Yeah, I've found that in the actual drafting process itself, I often get to the end of a draft, and I'm I'm probably ten in. I often get to the end thinking, man, this thing is just unbeatable. I mean, not all the time. Like sometimes I'm literally drafting memes, but I get to the end thinking, this is really, I have just, my channel is so open, you know, I've got this deck and it's, you know, I'm getting on-colour picks right down to the last pack. And then I've found that I just kind of get steamrolled. I don't know if you guys have experienced that at all, where you feel like you put together something real good and, you know, your colours and everything's there. And, and then you just kind of end up getting steamrolled by three twos and two threes with first strike, little flyers, whatever it is. And I don't know, maybe my focus isn't heavy enough on creatures, but that's kind of been my experience. It feels like it's getting a bit better now. I'm very much emphasising um, flyers and, and creatures that can get in, you know, get get past blockers or, or be unblockable and things like that but yeah initially i found it was really it felt very dispiriting because i would get to the end of a draft thinking man i'm killed this is gonna be great and then just get completely run over yeah that's interesting i have found a bit similar in that i'm getting run over a lot more now i think it's a shift in the priority of drafters in general and more knowledge of the fact that the slow decks, especially the green base decks, can be really good and that learn and lesson are really good and people have started to prioritise them a bit higher now so you don't just mm. always get the completely insane teamer decks or blue-green decks or whatever with absolutely everything. Sure. That's been what I've found and also I think people are experimenting more with not even necessarily aggro decks but just decks that are able to curve out properly. And that's what I've found, yeah, is that I lose a lot of games where I was like, I'm up so many cards and I just couldn't quite get enough defensive speed to defend against, especially evasive threats, as you said. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Before we go any further, I suppose we should say welcome to the Faction Podcasts. We're back again this week. This week I'm here, so I'm Ian. I'm here with Trent again, as last week. Still here. Yep. Hasn't missed an episode yet, and Dan is back this week, having now started to draft a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <coughs> Hello. Um, I wanted to know, with you two guys, what school have you had the most success with? For me, it's been Quandrix. But I will say a lot of my success came last week and in the first half of last week especially, so in the first seven days of the format when I think those Quandrix decks were underdrafted in general. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of success with them, generally with a splash of some sort. Sure. How about you, Trent? Yeah, I'm very much the same. Um, I think that Quandrix is currently the best two-color deck that you can have uh in front of you, I think that a lot of the commons are a lot better. That uh, they stand alone a lot higher than a lot of the other guilds' commons, and just the the green and blue cards are also very strong in their own. Um, a lot of the le- lot of the good 
learn cards are in green green and blue and i think there might be a few less of them but they're all highly playable to actively good to even very good um which is a huge pull into green blue uh and then a lot of the cards just they they build on themselves um you've got like i said you've got commons that ramp you into your six drop common card that wants you to have lands in play you've got uncommons Mm -hmm. that you know, ramp you into the uncommons that want you to have lots of lands in play and it's just it's very self-fulfilling like there's nothing that you not a lot of work that you need to do you can just put the green and blue cards in the deck and they kind of just do great things i mean quandric pledge mage has to is currently possibly the best green common in my opinion just because yeah. it's it's you know it's a green blue Two two, so obviously it's the it's the Quandrix it's the Quandrix, oh Quandrix Pledge Man, it's in the name. But um, what was it? What was that card called before it? Are we talking about? Uh, to be clear, are we talking about the hybrid three drop? Yeah, the, th- the, the three mana two two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was yeah. it? Yeah. Was Spellgorge weird? Yeah, Spellgorge weird is the red version yeah, of this. and this card's just so much better. The spark. It's it's so insane. So yeah, I think Quandrix is is definitely the best. But I have found that. Almost all the color pairings I'm happy to be in if the if I end up in that lane because um, as I say it every week there is a deep there's a there's a very steep depth of play playable commons uncommons rares in all the colors and I think if you're uh, reading the drafts correctly and finding your lane correctly you should end up with you know the uncommons and the powerful commons in your in your color set that allow you to you know try and get the, the mm. w's that you need i don't feel like is is there even many commons that are unplayable anymore they even most commons and this is why i'm getting to the end of these things and even down to my last few picks it's like yeah sure for sure by then it's it's commons but even so many of the commons are just really good now they're fine playable cards it, it feels like yeah yeah i'd say there are still some commons that Oh, I'm for sure. Yeah, very yeah, upset to have in my deck. Dragon's Approach is probably the one that's closest to unplayable. This is like the lava spike that if you cast five of them, you get to go put a dragon into play for free. Yeah, it's asking a lot, right? By the time you've cast five of those, that you're still going to have a dragon or any cards left in your deck. Yeah, mostly it's just like unlikely. you need a dragon, and th- there's no dragon like at common or uncommon. I don't even know if there's a rare one, to be honest. Uh, Velamakis Lawhold. There's five <laughs> mythic. Rares. Mythic. <laughs> yeah, there's five mythic rares, but I don't know if there's yeah. actually a rare one. Off yeah, the top exactly. of my head. There is not. It's just the five mythics. Okay, so follow up question to which one you've had the most success with is which one have you had the most fun with? Starting with Ian. Most fun with. So the most fun I've had is over the past couple of days, as, as I keep losing, admittedly, but still, starting to branch out and explore. For me, it's been like red-white control decks, or off. So far, they've all had some blue, whether they were base blue or one of them was splashing blue. Actually, one of them was blue-white splashing red. And the reason is because there's actually a decent number of defensive or valuey white cards that no one else wants because no one's really figured out the grindy white decks yet. Mm-hmm. Everyone sort of has the aggro white decks figured out because guiding voice and the 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 learn spell that taps your creatures taps your opponent's creatures are very obvious like build around cards that sort of aggressive. stick to this aggro deck they're aggressive, aggressive cards. cards yeah 
But the more interesting ones to me are things like Expel. I started playing that because that card's actually it's, it's a three mana instant that's exile tapped creature, right? At common, it's oh, actually a pretty it's good removal spell in a defensive deck. But it, none of the white aggro decks want it because you, the creatures don't end up tapped very much. That's no, exactly. actually really interesting having that and having Divine Gambit as well, which is a mystical archive card, but it routinely goes last pick. So between you- that, really. I have never played it and have only ever heard that it's like it's pretty much it seems to be written to the law of modern magic that that's got to be one of the worst cards of all time. Is that really you, you're actually, having success with that card? Um, I have only had one so far, but I played it a little bit in Kaldheim, a little bit, and it's better in this than it was in Kaldheim. So there's a couple okay. of reasons. Firstly, when you're removing something giant and threatening... The, it's just like not that high that the chances are they have something better in their hand once you get to the late game. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's terrible to cast in the first like four or five turns. But later on, often, you know, people play out their best threats first. Also, in this format, a lot of the big payoffs aren't actually permanents. So things like, as Trent alluded to, the six mana common that makes a fractal equal to the number of lands you have. I oh, can't 100%. put that in play. Yeah, or the seven mana make two four fours. Yeah, all yeah, of those or the ones. four mana make uh, fractal equal to the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, how about you, Trent? What are you having fun with? Or is it um, when you're winning, you're having fun? So it's just to touch on. Tricks. Just it's interesting <laughs> you say that because I actually think that there is a direct correlation between you having lo- a losing streak and you trying to build these white control decks is because I don't think they exist and I don't think they're good. I think Expel Ooh. is a really bad card in the format. Interesting. I've also done <clears throat> a lot of losing with blue-red and blue-green decks. So, I don't know. I, the white decks may not be helping me win, although I did get to... I did go 5-0 with the second one into, into 5-3 and I got to six wins with the other one, which is better than I was doing with any of the blue-green decks i played over the past two days. But, yeah, I'm not totally sure. I just feel like we've reached the point in the format where you need to be more open to archetypes than... I think I was leaning a little bit heavily on the blue-green decks, especially, which are great when they're open, but they're not always going to be open. And this, this format so much rewards finding your lane that if you can't competently draft all of the lanes that's a disadvantage i mean when it comes to expel though isn't it like trent if you're you know unless you're literally the one doing the beatdown from the start it it's such a hoser like any creature expels and so many creatures care about being um, exiled rather than than just destroyed you know and it gets through so many of those combat tricks that give things indestructible or or add counters or whatever it is to stop, you know, a damage spell. I feel like an instant three mana goodbye is just so good. I think it's fine, but I think it's very bad in this format because all the good cards are two for ones. So all your learn cards are two for ones and all your powerful cards oh, are true. doing something just inherently powerful. So you spending three mana to deal with their whatever card that they got from fr- for free off the learn card, it's it's not a good deal. It's it's a bad deal, uh, mm. especially in white. White doesn't want to play this long, grindy game because if you look at, like, 
the blue cards, the green cards, the, the black cards or the blue red cards, they they have more converted mana cost, they're more powerful, they do more powerful things. If you're just trying to one-for-one one your opponent with the white removal spells, you're going to get to turn 7, to turn 8, to turn 9, and the white the white cards don't do anything compared to, you know, like the blue the blue red 7 mana common that makes 2 4 fours, or the 6 mana the six mana make a six six kind of thing like these cards are just mm. inherently much more powerful and that's what the format's about so i think the being trying to be red white controlly and taking us taking those cards out of those packs where they're going late i, I just don't think they're actively good act actively good and i think that i think that interestingly enough to to keep continue with it the the most fun i've had with the format is either like a Golgari uh, aggro life gain deck with the three mana, two, two menace, and whenever you gain life, you put a counter on it. And mm-hmm. similarly, the the black, white, like the silver quill apprentice um, and the other one that allows you to like get put, put one, one counters on it and throw it around. They're really interesting. I, I find them really fun, but I don't mm. believe that they're, I don't believe the black, white is very good. Um, when it's not beating down, it has to be beating down, and I think it's the same with with Lawhold. I've really struggled to find a place in Lawhold that I'm happy with, um, because it's very hard to find an aggressive line that I'm happy with, and I don't want to be controlling with that deck because well, everything that I've just said over the last couple of minutes. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. I agree. So on Lawhold, I'd say there are aggressive decks, but they're really just silver quill decks where rather than getting past Achillean, you got past like some burn spells or whatever. Like they're fundamentally white aggro decks because they're built on guiding voice and the tap spell. The the controlling decks for me have been Jeskai based, and also one of them was powered by rares. Like I opened an approach of the second sun and also the white sweeper, and then the major draw card to them is returned past cooler as well as Rise of Exodus, which are the, the sort of powerful two-for-ones that complement your blue two-for-ones, frankly, your pop quizzes and things. And then the mm. white removal is sort of just filling in gaps. I do think you need some amount of removal, especially if you're not green, just because otherwise eventually your opponent makes like an 8-8 or a 10-10, which is difficult to answer on board in those colours without removal. Like It's difficult to outsize it. Yeah. Uh, to touch on Rise of Exodus, I don't actually don't think the card's... I think the card is fine, but I don't think it's as good as everybody thinks it is. It's... Um, my only experience with it was someone casting it off that Elder Dragon yeah, sure. for free yes. at instant speed yeah, I mean, to kill any, my... Any, any removal spell is going to be good, but yes, <laughs> good times. it's pretty good there. Yeah. Yeah, and and to take the uh, oddly just of course he did like just to rub it in exiles the only card out of my bin that that could bounce the thing anyway. So I'm like, okay, not that I had a way of getting it back, buddy, but even if I did, <laughs> you still win. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's kind of the same thing that I said with uh, well, it's, I suppose it's not with expel, but just in general, like six mana to exile a creature in this format is a lot, especially when a lot of the formats creatures or the or the most powerful things are doing like i said that they're two for ones or they're you know the elemental summoning that you got off your field trip or um your 
mm. you know, just just the things that are way lower converted mana cost. And it, it just feels I just haven't made it feel good. Especially when you're mm. like uh your law hold or your black white cards are trying to be aggressive. Having a six mana sorcery that goes and finds another card, sure you might go and get another card, but unless you're actually just getting mascot ex- exhibition, it doesn't feel that good. Like turn six, sure. sure, Rise of Exodus, go get my Inkling summoning. It's turn six. You're going to get, the next turn, you're going to cast a three mana two one. That, that's not where you want to be on turn seven. You want to do yeah, that on I think turn Rise three. Of, so I think Rise of Exodus is good in either Witherbloom or like Splashed in Quandrix essentially, or potentially in like Jeskai decks. It's, you're right, it's, Absolutely terrible in an aggressive deck, which is most of what the white decks want to do. Mm. Yeah, I mean the the learn sweetens it for sure. The learn it's it it is one of those mechanics that just sweetens so many cards. You can almost play a learn card. I mean, they're just so good. <laughs> like especially if you've built your sideboard with a, a a bunch of good lessons, you really like. I've had some cases where my learn cards have been able to. Have, it feels like you're playing a Khan sideboard or something where there's just this all these silver bullets you've you've got lined up there and it's like whichever one you need you know need to deal with something that you just cannot deal with get the five mana one that exiles a creature or exiles a permanent and draws a card draws them a card um, you know do you need wow one the lesson that I feel like has just overperformed every single time I played it is the the one that just puts two two the two counters on on your creature it's like so good often you'll have a flyer you'll need to get in put that on there and then that's your free ticket kind of out for sure i really like that card yeah i think Mm. i think that lessons in this format are extremely important uh you know in regard to actually winning drafts and having success in the format i think they're all i mean the worst one is probably like a c plus because you want to play it every game and it's going to do something I think that yep. they're absolutely phenomenal. And I think that every lesson card with the exception... Oh, sorry. Every learn card with the exception of the two-mana red instant that learns and then whenever mm-hmm. a creature enters the battlefield under your control gets yep. a 1-1 counter, I think they're all... First day of school. Yeah, first day of school. There you go. Um, yeah. I think they're all very playable to great. Yeah, the one that surprised me most is Cram Session. Yep which is the Golgari hybrid one, and it's yep. just two mana, you gain four life, learn. That card's actively a card I want in my green decks, my slow green decks, because it's just this proactive two mana play you can make that gains life to bridge you to late game and draws a card. And it just completely replaces itself. You're not, not down a card at all, yeah. which is amazing. I, I found that... So I don't know if it's just the way that they've designed it, but it's so, so rare that I'm running out of cards ever. Like I feel like I'm decking myself more often than I'm running out of cards in my hand. Which yeah. I don't know if that's a d- design thing or Yeah, the format the maybe. format is that the format definitely lends itself to that uh in some of the in some of the decks. In some of the decks not so much. I mean, um decks like Quandrix, you're using the uh, study break, the two mana tap two creatures learn to, and the guiding voice to try and be aggressive and be tempo orientated. So you, your priorities are going to be different. You're not going to be taking the fractal summonings, the elemental summonings. You're going to be taking the uh, like the introduction to, oh, what's it? Sorry, what's that card called? The the two mana, three mana, put uh, two one one counters and something gets vigilance. 
Yeah, anatomy. Yeah, you're going to be getting your anatomies and your prophecies and your inkling summonings and just trying to beat down, which is, yeah, obviously you're not going to deck yourself that way, but it's still a really integral part of those decks having success. Yeah, definitely. I found that the um, in Prismari, the draw four <laughs> discard a card is just bonkers. There's so I have, I mean, for me, the most success I've had is Prismari, and also the most fun. Um, there's so many. There's that four mana flyer to two four, and when it gets in, as soon as it attacks, it doesn't even have to connect. Everything in your hand drops two colorless mana, all instants and sorceries, which is just bonkers with that five mana draw four because i've had you know you've got one of those little the owl out that reduces the cost down to four anyway then you get in with him and you're paying three or sometimes two depending on the setup to draw four it's crazy at instant speed that card firstly really good with expanded anatomy that's one of my favorite things to do Mm -hmm. because it reduces equal to its power so you actually get to make it a four six, get in with the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. It's also bugged on arena, which is so frustrating. Wait, how so? How so? It oh, reads when you cast your next instant or sorcery, it gets reduced by that much, right? The problem is, if your opponent casts an instant before you get to cast your spell, your spell stop being reduced on arena. Oh, that's crazy! I didn't see that ever and happen. And it has cost me multiple games already. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. That's great to know. Uh-huh. So just be aware, of, aware that. of that. And there's not much you can do about it if your plan is to, like, attack with it like you, and then on in your, like, second main phase to cast the seven mana make two four fours for mm. five mana. And then if your opponent has a spell inside of combat after the trigger resolves, like a Baryan books or any sort of combat trick, you just won't get your cheaper spell. Wow. Yeah. Because I was finding that I was able to... You know, maybe put the two counters on him, get in, and then be able to cast for two mana, draw four at instant speed, still in the attack phase, and then have cards to deal with whatever happens, you know. Yeah. Just the other awesome. one is casting the uncommon deal five after attacks, because it's like, it's a perfect curve mm, to curve yep, into exactly. on turn five, attack, trigger, resolve the trigger, and then shoot something for five before blocks wow. if you need. Yep. Pretty cool. Um, uh, what, another question I had for you guys is, do you find yourself uh, splashing a third color very often? Or how about Trent? Do you, is that something you're finding much or are you sticking right in the lane of whatever school you're in? Uh, I want to say yes, but I don't necessarily think I am. I think a lot of my decks are two color. Um, yeah, just the two colored guilds. So there have been a couple of drafts where I've ended up like blue green splash red or white black splash red or something like that, but not necessarily because the mana fixing the mana fixing cards in the format that aren't f- like exclusively field trip or cultivate or emerging emergent sequence, the two mana search your library, put mm-hmm. it on the battlefield. The uncommon the one. The uncommon yeah. one. And then I think there's a rare. It it's it's not that good, and because no three colors share two, so the three colors only share the two jeweled lands. They don't share like the five because it's it's not the there's no ten set of jewel lands. It's only the five. Yeah. It's very hard for you to have good mana, and it's very imperative that you do have good mana because a lot of the cards 
uh, outside of the hybrid cards are like they ask you to be, or the good cards are like explicitly green, black, or black, white. Mm. So for you to have the dual lands that coincide with the other color and then have basics on top of that really hurt you when you're trying to play like the like the demigoth well eater like the four mana hybrid uncommons or the the uncommon uh apprentices or the the pledge mages it just makes it awkward and it makes it really hard to double spell sometimes um i think it's very easy if you make the concession to pick up environmental sciences which is something that you should be doing you should be taking your first Mm-hmm. environmental science at like a b rate you should be taking it very early in your decks and that allows you to do it but i think that if you don't prioritize environmental science and you don't prioritize campuses early which i also find very hard to do because of the depth of like i like i've said earlier on the lessons the learns and then the powerful two color the powerful guild colored cards um it's very hard to find yourself in a position where you're healthy three colors and generally, you don't feel happy with your mana base, and I'm not somebody who ever wants to feel unhappy with their mana base. I would rather, yeah. I would rather just play uh, the two colors with a low power and a, and a higher consistency than, you know, you start off in blue green, pivot to blue green red, and then open the red white dragon and consider that. I just wouldn't wouldn't consider that. Mm. That's interesting, that- yeah, because I wanted to point out that Field Trip doesn't inherently fix mana. In fact, it only does with environmental sciences because it only searches for a basic forest. So that was going to be my question was, yeah, how highly do you take environmental sciences? I think that's a card that has rocketed up pick orders over the week and a half that we've been able to draft this set. Big time. Yeah, I mean, it's a colorless card. It goes in every deck. You play it every game. Um a lot of the time you'll find with your ramp decks the two the two life is important and like I said, a lot of the time with your three color whatever decks it, it it's it's fixing it's it's great and it's a free card you get it for free so like you're gonna put the cram sessions the the field trips the whatever you know um, the the study breaks in your deck you're gonna put these cards in your deck so it's it's free to have so you should be taking your first copy very highly mm-hmm and it's practically um, free a lot of the time too, because very early on, you're only going to see that card early. You don't have a lim- like an unlimited shot at getting them. If it, the cat's out of the bag for the card, everybody knows that it's it's very good and it's free. So it's a very good deal breaker. Say you pick your first pick a a Slesnir, oh, so not a Slesnir, a, a Quandrix uncommon first, and then there's a tie between a Golgari uncommon. And is it uncommon in pack two? And then there's this environmental science. We'll just take the bloody environmental science because you know you're going to play it every time. It's going to make your deck and it's a great card. Mm. Uh, on the topic of good mana, how do you guys feel about the campus lands, the scry lands? Come in tapped, jewel, have scry one for four. They're really, really good. That's my thoughts too. <laughs> it just feels so damn good to have that option, that scry when there's nothing to do. And and the fact that they fix you so cleanly in your school, they just feel like a home run. I think the only one that you should be op- you should be activating is the blue green one because of the fact that that deck is deliberately trying to flood out and have excess mana. I don't think sure. I do not think that you should be um, activating the other ones. You should always have something to do. No, I especially something- the blue red one in my 
blue green splash red decks. But I take that, the point. That, that's a blue, that's a blue green one, in. right? It's the same thing. Oh, sure, sh- sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I would. I mean, you see, Silver Quill Campus go like last pick sometimes. Um, I don't think that's really where you want to be. Uh, but the times where I've had it out, boy, it feels good to be able to just have that little bit of extra filtering to kind of. Interestingly enough, I think the Silver Quill Campus is the most important one. Is that? Mm. But don't you want to be yes. constantly deploying threats and thus not have your mana untapped? So the issue. That is, that is true, but the issue is with the Silver Quill Campus, because your mana curve is lower and you have so many converted mana cost cards at 1 and 2 and 3, a lot of them are white-black or oh, just, just straight like white-black or two colours and then a colourless at your 3-drop, and it makes it very hard for you to be able to double spell on turn, like turn 3 or turn 4. Say you've got... Um, Guiding Voice plus Silver Quill Apprentice. Well, you need exactly white, white, black in that order on your turn three. It's not that easy to do. It's it's actually really hard to do. So having the Silver Quill Campus, which which pays you dividends on both sides, is really, really important. But if you're saying that the Silver Quill one is super important, and uh, unless I heard wrong or just heard maybe what I wanted to hear you also had said that the quandrix one is the one that will get used the most correct then which one don't which one don't you want to be using then this you don't so you're using the silver quill campus because it is inherently a dual land it taps for white or black Mm -hmm. and that it's very important on turn one and turn two comparative to the other the other guilds in okay in quandrix not so much because at your three drop a lot of your two, a lot of your two drops. You don't, you're not playing any one drops. You, you might play like an opt mm. or a snakeskin veil or whatever, right? But you're not really going to play them on turn three, and it's not so bad if they're on. You draw them on turn six or turn seven, what have you. Whereas the black white one drops are trying to be aggressive. They're trying to be proactive. So you want to make sure you have really good mana straight away. Sure. Okay. The other thing I would say is that. So firstly, I mean, some of the green decks have mana fixing, which helps, but also. It's actually easier to fit in a tap land in a deck with a lot of two and three drops and some one drops in like guiding voice and stuff like that than it is in a deck that's trying to curve two, three, four, often five mm-hmm. because it's it's much lower impact for you to go two drop and then two drop plus tap land than it is for like the Quandrix decks that always have a million three drops. If they also have a two drop, it's actually much harder for them to... Obviously, if they can play it on turn one, then it's fine. But when they draw the tap land, it'll sometimes be more impactful just because their spells always use all their mana and they have less flexibility in how to use that mana than some of the lower curve decks. Sure. Awesome. Um, another thing I wanted to know was for you two, what, have you had any standout cards in particular? I, I know you're saying like the, the, the Quandrix, the Pledge Mage, Obviously, just a super solid card, but what about anything splashy? You guys got lucky with anything that was like, wow, that really overperformed for me. Ian, anything that you've had, you know, especially in those first kind of ones where you're really, sounds like you're having a pretty good run there. Were there certain mythics or anything that, that stood out that was just like, oh, wow, if you, I mean, this is just, if you get this, you're doing yeah. it. Um, the Blue Sun Zenith is completely busted. Um, <laughs> yep. Approach of the Second Sun is also actually quite good. I had that the other day. 
What was the other? There was a. Oh, sorry. Mascot exhibition is obviously. Oh, sure. The, it is the pick pack one pick one in the set. There's. I I think Trent, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I heard uh, LSV said that the V pick is the eight mana. I win the game. Drop the. It's a mystical archive though. The uh, Mizix's whatever it is where um. Yep. You so cast that's. It. <laughs> Yes, yeah. that's probably so. In my opinion, it goes. I've I've played with all these cards and oh, mascot wow. exhibition, then Mizix's mastery, then approach and blue sun zenith are pretty close. But sure. yes, Mizix's mastery is. I win. It's pretty much I win the game if you play around it. But it is coloured, and you only get to put one copy in your deck. Whereas mascot mm-hmm. exhibition is colourless, and you get to put like five, six copies in your deck. But you'll never get five or six copies of it. No, but it's a lesson. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Hmm. But I agree that Mizzix's Mastery is completely absurd. Yeah, for sure. And how about, um, so, but, but you're saying, so Approach, Blue Sun Zenith, those kind of cards. Um, what about you, Trent? Anything that you've had that's uh, been hilariously OP or? I mean, everything Ian said, was already busted. Like, we were like, come on, dude. You got to have a bit more enlightenment than, oh, the S tier card is an S tier card. I don't know. The fact that he's played with it. He's, yeah. Like, yeah. He's, yeah. He's just. The, the one. So, more interesting to me. Actually, I have a question for you, Trent. There is. What's the card called? The rare that is essentially two and a blue X, draw X. I've seen this card go late. I've seen I've seen a table. What do you think of that card in this format? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I think it. I think it is good. I, th- I think it. I think it is good. I think you should always play it. Um, it's it's like a bookworm. It, that that that's what it is. It it's similar to bookworm in the ways of if you get to eight mana and you resolve this card, you will win the game. You just draw whatever the hell, you draw five cards and you'll win the game that way. Um, I think that it competes on a different scale to Bookworm because of there is a lot of card draw in the format and there's a lot of ways that you can accrue card advantage through lesson learn um, and and such like that. So I think it's a Quandrix card. I don't think it's a Prismari card. Um, I find it hard to yes. perceive it to be Quandrix, uh, to not be Quandrix with all its ramping. Um, but yeah, I, I say it's <sighs> definitely need to build your deck with it in mind to take advantage of it. So you want to be the ramp deck, um, and then it's going to pay dividends in that deck. But outside of that deck, I'm not, I'm not loving it. If I'm not yep. mistaken, it was in. I mean, the the deck was ridiculous. It was a storm deck, which actually legitimately did was able to storm off for like plus ten spells until I decked myself. Um, I find that I've played it multiple times. Well, I mean, yeah, like twice. Uh, and but both times I felt it just sat there rotting in my hand because every time that I played, like as I said, the, I've not had situation it's not like a, a draft format where it's like wow if i could just draw x right now i would just be in some insurmountable position i find that both myself and my opponents always have three or four if not five six seven cards in hand like i i, I very mm-hmm. rarely find that you're like grinding and top decking i mean you, you grind but you're 
you're both deploying threats or dealing with each other's threats the whole time um, until someone just kind of insurmountable does something that you just can't deal with. But I, I never feel like the thing that you can't deal with is the fact that they just drew five more cards. Um, yeah. I yeah. I, so I agree. I think that that's what makes it an interesting card. Whereas in, in some formats it would have been unplayable. So something like in Gatecrash, for example, which was a very fast format, which is actually now an old format, which um, is slightly strange to me, but it would have been very bad. And then in other formats, like some of the core set formats, I'm thinking specifically of the one where Opportunity was the best card in the set, it would have been an absolute bomb. And I think in this format, it's somewhere in the middle, and that's kind of interesting well, to me. It would have been bonkers in cold home. Yeah, oh, yeah. No doubt, exactly. 100%. Yeah, that would have been a completely different... There, it would have just been... It's an A. Snap it's it straight off. A. Absolute bomb, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I just don't... I feel like there's so much... Especially with lessons and learning and lessons and things, there's so many ways to just keep your hand kind of churning along that it's so rare that I'm like, oh, man, all I need to do right now. Like, because anywhere where I would need to do that, I feel like I'm not... If I've got to, like, seven, eight nine manner or wherever I could really take advantage of it. I've probably done that because I've got cards in my hand and, and I'm still alive and I'm still, you know, deploying my own threats or, or dealing with those. So I think another, it, it, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, oh, no, no. I think that an, another good way to look at it is if your lesson learn plan has failed. So if, if the lesson learn cards aren't coming, if the person to two people in your right are just snapping up the lesson and the learn cards and you can't accrue, those incremental advantages with your cram sessions and your fractal summonings and your elemental summonings. Um, this is a good way to uh, implement that strategy into your deck. Maybe yep. when you have a big learn lesson package, I mean, not even maybe, if you do have a learn lesson package or you're drafting it aggressively and, and the cards are flowing to you, you probably don't want this card very highly because you've already got that in in different inherent ways built into your deck structure already so as we're saying and you just mentioned it then you always want you always have something to do you always want something to do but if you don't get if say you are in blue and you don't get the pop quizzes or the field trips and uh, the, the good learn cards and you see this card this is actually a quite a nice way to be able to ramp out and get your lands on the battlefield and then refill rather than playing the like the three mana learn into the five mana mm. lesson kind of game. Yep, definitely. Well, for me, it was um, the uh, modal double face planeswalker in the Prismari deck I played, the Rowan and Will. The card is so Just will. good. <laughs> Just will. <laughs> Always will. The fact that you're... So, because this is the other thing. So if you can deploy flying threats in Prismari, it, it so works with the plan of Prismari where if you're deploying flying threats that can block anything and even just jump block if they need to to protect the planeswalker your instant sorcery spells are, are less and your flyers are making them also less because that you, you've got all these like five mana draw fours you just create this incredible engine where you can turn off their cards you know you can make their card a, um, a zero two if needs be, if they play a hasty threat or something, you can block that with your flyer. You can also get these cheap, massive draw cards. That was just such an experience playing with it. And and was also able to, if I was able to get off to a hyper-aggressive start, 
um, just with you know if, if they're not doing anything and I'm playing two two flyers um, that I'm able to pump up with lessons uh, into you know four four flyers even Rowan is fine because your instant spe- sorcery spells still cost less and you're just hitting them for one every time um, yeah wow that card is just a house <laughs> good fun yeah yeah absolutely so cards cards that I've been impressed by. Um, compared to what I'm looking at them, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I've been quite impressed by Blood, Reach- Blood Researcher, which is the Golgari Menace card. Whenever you gain life, put a one-one counter on it. Yeah, and Menace on that card is so huge. It's um, it's crazy good. I, I yeah, it, it there are there are worlds, there are decks in which this is better, uh, quite quite an amount better than uh, Quandrix Pledge Mage. Um, yes, it does take a bit of work, but it's very interesting. The other the other com- the other card that I've quite being quite impressed by, and, and I'm pretty sure. Well, it's interesting. I would assume that people thought that this card was very good. Uh, I tend to get it a lot in my drafts, and it goes quite late. It's Overgrown Arch, which is a two mana plant wall with Defender. You can tap it to mm-hmm. gain a life. You can play uh, tap. You can pay two to sack it and learn. I see this card goes friends criminally late, and this card is absurd. It's one of the best two drops in the mm. format, outside of obviously like your rares and stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely. And they it's, go it's fantastic. Yeah, and they go hand in hand. And then the other one, it's it's interesting. So I was actually talking to Gibbo, um, might have been the day before yesterday, and he had a draft with a couple of the tenured ink caster, which is the five mana two two. When it's a battlefield, you put a one one counter on target creature, and whenever mm. a creature with a one one counter on it attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Guess what? That's a combo mm. with the uh what's his name? The researcher, the blood researcher. That is a huge combo with that card so a couple of blood researchers and a tenured ink caster and away you go that is bonkers yeah wow. yeah it's really interesting i because that card looks like it should be a silver quill card based on the fact that black white has all these counter synergies but you're right the times that i've seen it be good has been in combination with blood researcher yeah it's and it's really really pulled its weight um other cards that I've been really impressed by is Go Blank, which is the mine rot that exiles. I've really liked, oh, really? really liked Go Blank. I think it's uh, it's just very good at tagging your opponent. Um, obviously, Quandrix is trying to go big and deploy its six and sevens, and and it's going to learn up its five mana spells and stuff like that. So there's frequently times in like turn four or five where they have three cards in hand, and you can go blank and know that they have no lands in their hand. Um, and the Golgari oh. cards that. This is a gold. Sorry, I should preface to say this is a Golgari card. I do not. This might be a Silver Quill sideboard card or some weird Silver Quill control deck, which I don't think you should be doing. But if you land there, it could be good in that. But I think that this is a Golgari card because Golgari generally leans on a lot of two drops or has pest control. So, you know, obviously blocking, gaining life, making the game go along. You've got cram session at, at two to gain four life so that you can afford to take a turn three off and make them discard two. Or you can gum the board, like I said, with a bunch of nerds and then go blank them when they have two, three cards in hand. And then exiling people's graveyard has been relevant more, more times than what I thought it would be. So I've been quite oh, impressed by dude, that too. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing against a law hold deck or any deck that wants things to be, you know, to be exiling their own things out of their bin, wow, if you're able to do that before they can take advantage of everything getting exiled from their bin, that's awesome. Oh, I'd say one of, one of the uncommons that has impressed me and you... Your comment about Quandrix Pledge Mage sort of reminded me of this is Master Symmetrist, which is the 4 mana 4-4 four, four with... It has Reach, which I 
is not immediately obvious. It's a rhino. It doesn't really seem like it should have reach, but it does. So that'll catch people. But more importantly is the ability that... Sorry? It's got a very long horn. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. But when it it has the ability that whenever you attack with a creature that has power equal to its toughness, it gains trample. And this really matters because of what Trent alluded to with Quandrix Pledge Mage, which is that it's often the Quandrix decks make these huge creatures, be they Pledge Mages or Fractals from about three different spells that potentially make huge Fractals. And then it can be quite hard to get through, especially against the decks that create pests. It's actually really hard to connect with them and this is the best way i found to give them some sort of evasion whilst also being a very good card it's a four 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 with reach yeah mm-hmm. cards have been perfectly fine for me too yeah i think the just being a four mana four four reach is huge in this format yep See, speaking of reach actually another card and actually probably the funniest combo not necessarily a great combo but it is funny is uh Pillar Drop Warden, which is the four mana reach one five, so you can pay to yep. sack it and return an instant yeah. or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand, and Aether like and Aether Helix. Yes. yes so yes. for nine for eleven mana over the course of two turns, you can bounce one of your opponent's creatures and play a Pillar Drop Warden every yep. turn. I also just think Pillar Drop Warden is quite good because a lot of in any of the more defensive red decks, one five reach blocks. Everything in this format. We've talked about how this format is a 4 4 format, and that that's where most of the bigger, essentially, the creatures scale up to 4 4, and then there's nothing beyond 4 4 except for fractals or pledge mages that have grown or blood researchers that have grown, but sort of natively, creatures don't come much bigger than that. So 1 5 blocks so much, and then there's so many big, impactful spells that you can buy back later, whether it's the make two 4 4s or whether you're just buying back fractal summoning. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have mm. liked Pillar Drop Warden. Um, yeah, it likes. Uh, yeah, the, you're right. The five toughness is uh, is hella good in this format. Yeah, and it's such a feels bad to like have to, you know, use a removal spell on something like that as well. Where it's like it's it's only you know doing one damage. <laughs> if, if you look at it that way, um, doing one damage. No, no, I'm never attacking with this thing. <laughs> no, no, of course. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cool. Uh, anything else, you guys, um, before we kind of wrap up on the Strix draft for now, you know, until next week, is there anything, um, you know, anything else you guys I'd say kind of wanted the most, to touch on with the draft? The most interesting card that I've played with, and I've played with this a couple of times now, is Cody, Perciferous Codex, which is the... Oh, the, it's, the artifact? Yeah, so it's a three mana, one four, and it says you can't cast permanent spells but then it effectively taps for a mana and gives the next spell, the next instant or sorcery you cast, Cascade. The yeah. biggest thing for me with this is being how to build them. Actually, I had a deck with two of these in it and just trying to work out how to build them because it's very difficult to play actual zero other permanents, right? Because then your deck is just not very good anytime you don't draw Cody. But trying to balance how many to play and having enough instants and sorceries and not having counter spells as well, because I actually think both negate and the negate surgical extraction sort of mixed card that's in uncommon in the set are both pretty good, I would say, in this format. Mm -hmm. It's just been an interesting challenge trying to build Cody decks. I feel like you have to get Cody pretty much 
pack on pick one, don't you? If you want to be or like very, very early on, it seems like a very build around kind of card. It is, but I think a lot of decks in this format trend towards being able to support it anyway. I think it's very possible to pick it up pack two, early pack two, and be in a deck where you're either Quandrix, Quandrix especially, but also Prismari, and your deck just naturally you've only drafted two or three creatures because you were picking up lessons and you were picking up ramp spells and a lot of your creatures, in inverted commas, in those colours are either Serpentine Curve Mm. or the six mana common that makes a fractal and so you can still play those make a kind of creatures for curve purposes yeah i would love to see if you uh manage to make a deck with it try and do a bit of a uh a screen share or something i'd love to see how that plays out in a game looks very cool yeah i uh i haven't gone near it i don't think i will i think unless it's no, even if it's pack one pick one, I, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's unplayable garbage. I'm going to pack one pick pick one this. Just, <laughs> it's just like I'm reading it. I'm reading it, it now because I've only read the first five words on it, and it says you can't cast permanent spells. <laughs> that's yeah, and exactly. That's, 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 that's exactly all I what so, I did. Yep. Yeah, I was like, how good could this thing I possibly mean, be? Because I'm thinking, imagine if you can't cast. The yep. the other the other side of this, right? It says you can't cast permanent spells. So you're trying to draft a deck that has minimal permanent spells, okay? Which means you have low creature count, which means that you're all spells. Now, spells, be it whatever they are, you're not you're gonna struggle to cast creature spells from your spells because generally they all cost four or more if they're gonna be reasonable creature spells. You're not going to have a whole lot of removal spells because if any reasonable drafter is at your table, they're going to take the removal spells high, which means you're going to be left with a bunch of Ds, C minuses, Fs, whatever, to try and make up your deck. <laughs> which also means that your deck, and I just your your deck's going to have a low creature count, and your opponent's going to take the removal. So when you play Cody, what's going to happen to Cody? It's going to die <laughs> yeah. because it's the only it it's the only thing that you've cast that they care about. And then you're left with a horrible draft deck because you've put this thing on your deck that you can't you can't pick permanent spells because they don't work with Cody, and you have no good spells in your deck. Yeah, you know what this needs to to, to be good. This needs a random common uh, um, sorcery at one cost, colorless. That's <laughs> or any color, whatever it Search is. Search it up. Some hybrid that says fetch this yeah. up, and this needs to be not a creature. It needs to be an artifact with hexproof. Yeah. Then okay. So you're you're asking for a, yeah. You're asking for a, a much different thing. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I feel like yep. it's 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 a funny card. It's a fun card, but I think if you were to ever try and win. I, I think mean, the more times you put Cody, kills the more times you put Cody in your effect. deck, the lower, the lower chance you're going to have of winning matches. I think it's going to do more damage for you to pick this card and build around it than to pick and build a regular deck in this format. It sounds yep. like my kind of card. All right, I will say sweet. the reason Dan, you haven't seen any screenshots of decks with Cody is because I haven't really had success. <laughs> I have I've had three decks and two of them didn't do well. One of them got to five or six wins, but. But the thing with that okay. deck was I got to the end of the draft and went, yeah, I could have had a better Prismara deck if I hadn't tried to put this in my deck. 
Because oh, it could have been yeah, taking like spectacle mages and maelstrom mages. Yeah, like higher. good cards, like average creatures, like above rate creatures yeah. for three yeah. mana. Could have had like Prismari pledge mages in my deck and stuff. And instead I've yeah. got like a bunch of mediocre draw spells. Yeah, because you're going to multi six just to find it, and then you're going to be under pressure from turn two, and, and yeah. you're playing a one like, for imagine, for the imagine best. if you're playing against Silver Quill, you're on the draw, and they just go exactly one mana one one, two mana two two, three mana three one. Game's over. Yeah. You're dead. You you can't play a two drop. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have any. You don't have any two drops. No, it dies. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, not necessarily. You can block. A I one can block one. the one one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Until they sold me, you sold me on yeah, Cody. Exactly. I can't even. What is the second? What is the second word? It's basically it cascades. No, no, no. Vociferous. Vociferous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like gonna... very hungry, or in this case, yeah, it means hungry. Vociferous meaning. No, 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 no. Expressing or characterized by vehement yeah. opinions, loud and forceful. Vehement, huh. loud and forceful, yeah, just... <laughs> loud and forceful. Cody the Codex, big fuck well, off. There F. you go. There's there's okay. Trent's vociferous opinions on this card. Okay, here's 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 the thing. If someone can send me a a screen, or it's it's. Ugh, I guess they'd have to make a video. This is here's a call out to anyone in the anyone in the faction who can three o a draft using Cody in it. You have to you it has to be part of the game that wins. Uh, I'll give you a hundred dollars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, get on it. We're going to break this card. Yeah, never mind. You got, you got, you got, got two weeks. Now. You've got exactly two weeks. Mm. Well, uh, I think that'll about wrap us up for today, unless we have another topic. There's to a couple about. little things. I, ju- I just wanted to touch on a couple li- little things. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, we're going to start with Trent here. What do you think if you're playing Constructed on Arena in Australian dollars, a Mythic costs you? Your average Mythic. Uh, sorry, what, what, what for? An, a Magic Arena? So, yeah, so you're on Arena and you want to play Constructed. And you want to use Strixhaven cards? What do you think a mythic is going to cost you on average? Um, In dollars, I, I actually, I, I actually don't know. I, I actually have not, have not even thought of this. Um, hmm. Ian, feel free to chime in if you've got a yeah. Guess. I'm blank. I, I actually never thought of it, so I don't. Know the answer. I mean, what are you, are you? So the average yeah. cost of of obtaining any random mythic from from the set. So if there's a mythic that you need, let's say I need to play um, or hold Velomarcus. Yep, there he goes. <laughs> I want to play him. What's that gonna? What is the average cost if you were to even out? Because I, I guess what I'm getting to here we're is just buying packs. Here. That's right, because it's kind of come to the attention. I think people are starting to um, wake up to this idea that you've got guys like, I don't know if you played Trent Constructed on Arena, but a lot of people are starting to realise that, hold on, the way this economy is set up is not ideal. And people actually don't necessarily know what they're paying to play Arena Constructed. Um, So the average cost of a Mythic is about $7 Australian dollars. and if you 
consider that in Strixhaven, there's about 20, well, there's 21 mythics. Um, you're looking at well over 500 Australian dollars, probably closer to 800 to 1,000 if you were to look to round out an entire collection. Not that everyone's doing that, but it's been something that's been in the, you know, magic zeitgeist lately is this idea that the arena economy is not set up in a way like Modo, like Paper Magic, where you can buy and sell your own cards, you can buy the cards you need for the decks you need. If I need Velomarcus, I have to play and I have to basically crack packs. If I want two or three or four in a deck, I need to crack packs until that happens. And if that's the last one to round out my four mythics, it's going to cost me about $1,000 to, to get those four cards. That, that is, of course, discounting wild cards. Something interesting to think, I, I don't know, it's something that I, I don't play constructed much on Arena anymore, and I feel like that might kind of be part of the reason why, is for the most part, for most sets that would come out, you know, I'd drop 500 bucks, 800 bucks, sometimes like, you know, up to $1,000 just to get tier decks and the, the cards that I wanted to play every single time a set would come out. And I think that you've got constructed players like, you know, you guys saying, I don't, I couldn't even peg a guess at what a random mythic would cost, uh, shows that perhaps it's time for them to do something about the way the economy works on Arena. I do think also the fact that we don't know what a random mythic costs is just because that's not at all how the economy is set up. In the, sure. Like, there's, there is no way to buy a specific card and that's a huge problem but i do think pointing out that it would cost you know eight hundred dollars or whatever for your entire collection of a set is not the most useful comparison just because i mean paper magic would cost more than that to get play sets of an entire set i would have thought for most sets the difference being though that but that's you not could how then you go and buy- sell that entire collection yeah correct. whereas on arena you are literally dumping money into yeah, something that you will so- never ever see that money back so the issue to me is more the the crafting system and the wildcard drop rate and the lack of dusting, which are the tools that let you get the specific cards you want without needing the entire set. Mm-hmm. And I think this has been true for a long time. This has been true since, uh, like, I played Arena back in its beta, and it was mm-hmm. a problem then. The economy was rubbish then. It was not dissimilar from what it is now, and people complained about it, and Wizards just ignored us, essentially. Do you find as a constructed player in Arena that you are able to play with the cards you want when you want? I am, but that's I'm not a constructed player. I I I I only because I draft heavily for oh, most Okay, sets. so so for for you you're you're drafting heavily and then able to play constructed if you wish. Yes. So I own yeah. the majority of the cards available in standard because at the start of every set I intentionally draft this is actually unusual for me in that i'm drafting and not rare drafting usually i aggressively rare draft every single rare i see and from experience i know i can have the entire rare play set in about 25 maybe 30 drafts and that's something i intentionally do at the start because i know that that's the only viable way to be able to play constructed is to draft all the cards you need because it's just really not viable to just buy a bunch of packs. I mean, it is, but it's much more expensive than I'm willing to invest in Arena. Yep, for sure. 
Okay, yeah. So I think that that seems to be that's the kind of commentary that I'm hearing as well. Is if you are primarily drafting or playing sealed, I guess, or you know playing any form of limited, that is a way to round out a collection. Um, while you know, surprise, actually enjoying the game, <laughs> the way they're designing it to be played. Um, so you're probably not running into that problem, but I definitely know that before I was playing any limited, it would literally be a case of a new set comes out and you just have to open yep. the wallet and drain hundreds and hundreds of dollars into this to get the cards yep. that you need because you just burn through wild cards um, and still aren't able to you know, complete the decks that you want to complete. Yeah, for sure. I think mm. the way you're in um, set up, it's, it's very bad if you're not very into drafting. Um, and it's yeah it, it, it being a constructed only player is just not really viable on arena unless you're willing to shell out hundreds hundreds and hundreds of dollars every set release yeah and the fact that now it's on mobile means that there's actually not that much difference between uh any given magic player and their auntie playing candy crush and dumping hundreds of dollars <laughs> into that because you're just playing a mobile game now and dumping hundreds of dollars into it as a constructed player <laughs> So there's that. It's <laughs> just something to think on. Um, the other couple of little things I just want to touch on. Um, so that's kind of like how the, the on, online arena economy uh, in paper. Uh, just one thing that I've noted in the last three or four weeks for anyone who happens to be interested in this kind of thing is it seems like the insane craziness that was going on with the reserve list is definitely starting to cool. Uh, you're not seeing cards retrace necessarily a big amount but um certainly things like jewels everything probably three or four months ago jumped in in some cases you know 50 or you know in some crazy cases multiple hundreds of percents um for some of these cards that people just realized are never ever going to get printed again um <laughs> i feel like every time this happens with the reserve list and everything there's this huge price increase on all of these cards and people think, oh, wow, yeah, they're never going to make these cards ever again because they're on a reserve list. But then it, it cools down for a few months and then it happens again and then it cools down. Um, so it seems relatively cool at the moment. Um, but one thing that I noticed, and I only noticed this from, um, I was on Rob's MTG auctions and just <laughs> outbid a bunch of people on a bunch of these mystical archive foils because to my eyes, these things are just incredible. Like they are just such a home run they've hit with these mystical archive foils. The artwork is sick. The cards are much needed reprints. They're awesome instants and sorceries and so many also fit into cubes and things. Um, so I went and, you know, bought a bunch of these cards for two bucks each thinking, man, I've just killed, I've just like cleaned up all of these like cards uh, only to... <laughs> belatedly double check it and a lot of these mystical foil archives are like 35 50 cents so if you're in the market and need to like build out or fill cards out of a cube or commander deck or any constructed deck to be honest i mean you've, you've got awesome cards like you know wicked looking brainstorms lightning bolts um and just an awesome selection so definitely get them now I guess it seems like it's only going to get cheaper while people start to open Strixhaven uh, and especially that people are uh, now able to somewhat start playing paper magic in the U S again, the, the price of these cards is probably going to stay low for a long time. So if you want those mystical archive foils, get out there and get them because uh, they look insane. 
Yeah. Uh, and then one last thing that I just wanted to touch on as well was that um, a new LGS has opened in Melbourne, in Essendon. Uh, a guy, Jason G, has opened up a store, Grand J Games. Um, they're down at 69 Rose Street in Essendon. I don't know who this guy, do you, either of you guys ever heard of Jason G? He's can't say I, I mean i know jason's through magic i don't know their last names so it's yeah possible but i don't think so yeah not someone i've ever heard of but uh, i gotta say it takes some serious guys to open up an lgs now so good on him he's done that they're in essendon they're drafting they're doing time spiral drafts i think they had a time spiral draft tonight uh so if you're in or around that area head down to 69 rose street check it out uh Seems from the post that he did on the uh, on, on one of the marketplaces to be you know a fantastic sounding you know he's talking about happy he's open to feedback and stuff. The space looks amazing. You kind of come into a small store and then walk down some stairs and there's this beautiful room with tables and chairs and looks clean, looks good, everything we want to see in an LGS. So always happy for an LGS to open in Melbourne because I've become very sick of hearing about them closing. It is a very good sign to see a store opening up and clearly Jason thinking that that's a viable thing. That's a really optimistic sign. So. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, Paper Magic has legs in it for a long time yet, so we'll see. We can only hope. Exactly. And if not, we've still got our cube, so we can just do that. <laughs> the faction is safe. <laughs> exactly <laughs> anyway guys awesome chatting with the both of you um i can't wait to jump into another strixhaven draft now that i know that expel sucks and uh and go draft cody <laughs> exactly i'm gonna give myself a hundred dollars <laughs> right well thank you both for being on this week thank you for listening that'll be all from us and we'll be back next week bye nerds see ya